T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, WTIC-FM and WTIC.com. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by the State Consumer Council, Ellen Katz, essentially a consumer advocate when it comes to utility issues in Connecticut. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me on and I hope everyone had a great 4th of July. We are just coming off a heat wave and one of the issues that crops up when it gets really hot and there's a lot of demand put on the electricity system is the power supply for the region. How did we do? So far, so good. Of course, we are looking at one of the hottest periods of the whole summer. So you might have seen some alerts from either your utility or maybe the, one of the municipal electric companies just warning people not to use power at times they don't have to. For example, uh, if you cannot dry your clothes at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when demand is highest, those are the kinds of activities that are helpful to keeping demand from getting too high of what we call a peak. In fact, they say wait till 8, right? Exactly. Wait till 8. And think about when you run your dishwasher, the the appliances that draw a lot of power, uh, we as individual consumers can actually have a big effect on the grid if we can um, modulate our behaviors a little bit. This all ties into the idea of energy security for the region, and that remains a concern. Yeah, New England has some pretty big challenges when it comes to making sure we have enough electricity for our region. So far, we've done well, obviously. We haven't seen kind of things we might have seen in the past, such as a lot of power alerts or even rolling brownouts. But there is a concern in New England because in the coldest winter months, there is a lot of demand for natural gas to heat homes and businesses. And that competes with the natural use of natural gas to generate electricity, which is one of our biggest um, ways of manufacture of generating electricity. So we get in those periods where we get nervous that we're going to essentially not have enough natural gas. And what happens is the prices go up. And so we see very high prices. So very high prices in January means uh, that you'll see high prices actually in July because um, we buy ahead and and the generators get nervous about what the cost of fuel is going to be. Is it simply prices that control this, or is there some other regulating authority that decides how much goes to heating homes and how much goes to generating electricity? Actually, the way it works is that we have what we call firm contracts for heating homes, so they get the fuel first. So it's what's left over that goes to the generators, which is why uh, we get nervous, because when there's a lot that's being used for home heating and, and business heating, that's when we start to see scarcity of natural gas. And we do have some of our generators have backup fuel with oil, but uh, not all of them, and it's it's not a requirement of the grid at this point. So it's something we're keeping an eye on. There's also, you might have seen a lot of dis, uh, conversation around Millstone, uh, nuclear power plant, and other nuclear power plants around the country, 
which uh, are saying because of the low price of natural gas, it's sort of uneconomic for them to operate. Uh, and so what do we do about that? That's that's one of the questions that's being considered by the Public Utilities Regulatory Authority at this very moment. In fact, we spoke about this maybe a year or so ago, and there has been some progress on the millstone front and concerns that it, it might eventually shut down. There seems to be a, a deal with the state to, to maybe get some more transparency and, and try to understand if it's really in danger of, of going down that road. Exactly right. There's a proceeding before Pura where that very question is being is being considered. So millstone representatives are in and representatives from all kinds of different state agencies are also in the proceeding, including my office. And the question is, do you really need additional money to operate? Uh, and that's a hotly debated question. And ultimately, that Pure is going to come out with a ruling and the legislature uh, or a recommendation and the legislature is going to decide in the next session what to do about that, if anything. One of the things it seems to me that you can do to improve energy security in the region is to diversify. And Connecticut has gone to great lengths to try to do that. Yes, that is absolutely correct. We like to see a diverse. We like to maintain our nuclear uh, as what we call baseload. It runs all the time. We uh, are increasing our amount of renewables that we're purchasing or um, investing in, and and now we are seeing investments in wind, which for the first time we are seeing by the state. We're seeing investments in fuel cells, continued investment in solar. And so the idea is you have a portfolio of options so that if we, you know, the price of natural gas spikes or something happens to a pipeline, then there's something else to fill in and balance it out. But it's, it's a, you know, I have a lot of respect for the people who run our electric grid. It's, in, it's very complex because you have to be at perfect balance. The amount coming in has to equal the amount going out at all times. And uh, it's just becoming increasingly difficult and challenging. That would be ISO New England? That's ISO New England, correct. It seems to me, especially this time of year, that that's important to, to make sure the power is getting to where it needs to be when you have temperatures going 90 to 100 degrees. Absolutely, absolutely. Actually, heat is actually more dangerous for elderly and vulnerable populations than cold. Uh, we see more health problems cropping up in these heat waves. So it is a real concern to make sure that every consumer has what they need and can afford it. I mean, affordability continues to be a challenge in Connecticut and throughout New England, and that's something that my office focuses a lot of time on. Uh, what can we do to lower prices or prevent them from going higher? And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a constant challenge, in part because we don't have enough natural gas pipeline into New England, which means uh, we are constantly seeing these spikes in energy prices whenever uh, we, we, we get a lot of demand for natural gas. Ensuring that people have the energy they need to survive, how does that tie into hardship cases? I know there are moratoriums against turning off the utilities of someone in the winter. Does that also extend to the summer? Because as you noted, heat can be just as dangerous, if not more, than yes. the cold. Yes, absolutely. There are moratoriums on hardship customers from, I think it's like November to March, where you cannot be turned off. However, there are additional protections for consumers who have either serious medical or life-threatening medical conditions. And I think Connecticut can be justly proud that we have very strong protections in this state. I was just at a national conference where they were discussing this issue, and Connecticut is way out in front in ensuring that if you have a device that you're dependent on for, um, you know, as a respirator or something like that, there's strong protections to make sure you don't get cut off for um, financial reasons, for lack of payment. Uh, that doesn't mean that 
we don't need people to pay their electric bills. We obviously do, but it's a balancing act. We certainly want to make sure those that absolutely need it to live are provided that. And when it comes to electric bills, they can be confusing at times. You have the distribution rate, and then you have the generation rate, and those change from time to time. You can also choose a third-party supplier. There have been some issues related to that, and the rates appearing on bills not really correlating with what you're, you're paying going forward. Talk about how to interpret an electric bill. Well, let's start with... If you look at the electric bill, there's two different places on the bill. And, and we've done a lot of work in Connecticut to make the bill less confusing, but that doesn't mean it's not doesn't take a little experience to know how to read it. There's the distribution rate. That's the rate that you pay uh, for m uh, the vast overwhelming number of consumers in Connecticut. You pay either Eversource, which used to be CLMP, or United Illuminating, UI, to deliver the deliver the electricity to your house. It's what you pay for the poles and wires. You think of it as like the highway that we built. Mm. And that's a rate that's set by the Public Utilities Regulatory Authority in a rate case every few years. We just had a big one with Eversource. And um, so that's, if you look, I think it's on the upper right-hand side of most bills. It says your distribution rate. And that's, that's sort of fixed because that's the sort of monopoly part of your electric bill. You got to take it from Eversource or UI. Down on the left-hand side, you will see generation rate, and the generation rate is essentially how much are you paying for the electricity that runs over those wires. And as a consumer, you have two choices. You can either get your electricity right from Eversource or UI on what's called the standard service, what we call standard service, and that is a straight pass-through. And in other words, it's, there's no markup from the companies. Um, it's overseen by Pura. There's the process of procuring that energy. Uh, there's multi multiple agencies that are involved in that with the companies to make sure it's fair and reasonable, including my office. And so if you don't want to shop around, you don't have to. That has That is the message I really want to get out there. Listen, if you want to set it and forget it, you are free to take the generation rate and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You know it's going to be fair. It changes twice a year. It's a transparent process. However, if you're one of those people who wants to, quote, shop around, you can go with uh, what we call a competitive, what we call um, an independent electric supplier, which is these companies that you probably get flyers in the mail or you um, get calls on the phone. Sometimes they knock on your door and they'll say, you know, we're, we're, we're here to save money on your electric bill. Now, if you are someone who is going to look at that electric bill every week, every month, and right on the bill, this is new in the last couple of years, I think we're the only state that does it. It shows you what you're paying now, what you're paying next month, and then it compares, if you're on a supplier, to the standard service rate, whether you save money or lost money. So there's a lot of information on that bill, and I urge consumers to look at the bill every month. I know a lot of people get electric bills, uh, and they just look at the amount and click it. And I tell you, a lot of times I hear from consumers, oh, my bill shot up, and I was just so mad at my kids. I thought they were leaving the door open or, you know, my husband's cranking up the air conditioning. And then they look at it and they realize they're on a rate that just spiked with an electric supplier and they just weren't paying attention. So if you're going to be on an electric supplier, you really need to look at that bill every month. My office has been involved in a number of enforcement proceedings against electric suppliers for what, what I consider to be unscrupulous practices, um, calling consumers and pretending to be from Eversource when you're really from a third-party supplier, 
saying that they have to switch, saying that they are, you know, the, uh, an approved supplier from Eversource. And none of those things can possibly be true, right? Eversource and United Illuminating have no relationship with these electric suppliers. You're never required to switch. You can always stay. And uh, we've seen, as I said, there's there's ongoing places, ongoing proceedings. We've seen um, some of the biggest fines that appears levied in these cases have been levied recently. And people just need to watch out because it's going to hit you in the wallet. That's the problem. And in extreme cases, you've even seen some suppliers changing contracts after a, a customer is signed on the dotted line. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There are investigations going on right now and some in the past where consumer signs on the dotted line and then the rate gets changed afterwards. And then there's what we call slamming. Somebody calls and says, hey, you know, I, I can save you money in your liquor bill. And you say, no, thanks. And then you find you've been switched. So one piece of advice is never give out your customer service number or your account number unless you've already decided you want to switch. And, and you know, listen, in, in the pure proceedings, we have played a number of these phone, uh, phone calls from people who are um, soliciting uh, on behalf of the suppliers. And let me tell you, they're really good. They can really fool you. It's like, oh, just go get your electric bill. I think your account is blah, 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 blah. And they make you think, oh, this must be from the electric company. We don't know how they get the numbers, but somehow sometimes they often get the numbers. And they'll say, oh, you know, we're just checking to verify that you want to save money on this new rate. Listen, if it's too good to be true, it is. It really is. And so um, remember, you have the right to say no. You have the right to ask questions. And if you find yourself in a situation where you get this enormous energy bill and you look at it and you go, wow, all of a sudden I'm paying 15 cents and the standard offer rate is 9 cents, you can call up Eversource or United Illuminating and they will switch you within, I think it's 48 hours. It's what we call a safe harbor. So as always, you can always go back, but read your bill. Sometimes uh, for, I guess, some thousands of, of people in Connecticut, the rate that they're going to be paying in the future is not correct. And Pura has, has opened a, a, a case and is looking into this and is working with Eversource and, and UI to try to iron this out. Yeah, this is an issue that we've been concerned about for a number of years, which is under the, the law that was passed several years ago, your electric supplier has to tell you ahead of time what the rate for next month's going to be. And we've seen a number of consumers, including legislators, uh, who have helped us initiate this proceeding, who realized by looking back at their bill, and you wouldn't know this unless you remembered the rate that it said you were going to be charged. Like, So it says, you know, oh, you're going to be charged 11 cents. And then a month later, they get the bill and they're charged 15 cents. And, and, and unless you remember or look back, there's, there's, you can be overcharged without notice. And that is a real consumer protection problem. And Pura is looking into this. We are working really hard with them to and the utilities because Eversource and United Illuminating need to make sure that when you, you are told, I'm going to be charged, I don't know, eight cents next month, that the electric supplier is then not able to go in and charge you 11 or 12 or 15 cents. And it's uh, we are working hard on that with Pura. We anticipate that this problem will be solved, but it's it's like a computer programming issue if you can if you know what I mean. It's get them they tell you something one month and they got to make sure that they can't change it in the interim.
You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to State Consumer Counsel Ellen Katz. It, it seems at the hearing it might be an easier fix for UI than for Eversource related to, to how their computers work and, and how long it might take and what, what level of reprogramming is required. But it seems in some respects they're at the mercy of the information they get from the third-party suppliers. That is correct. They're at the, and so one of the questions is, well, what do you do if they haven't given you a rate? So, and our position has been, well, then you default to the last rate they told you, and you shouldn't be able to change it. That is, consumers need to be able to trust their bills. They need to know that then they look at their Eversource or the United Illuminating bill, that that is the rate that they're going to be charged. And that's what gets us so frustrated about this, is this is a problem that should not have happened, and we need to make sure that our utilities are on board with fixing it. And I'm confident, it, as I said, it will get fixed. Um, it's unfortunate it's taken this long, and perhaps thousands of consumers have uh, been victimized by this. But again, that, that just makes it all that more important to go back and read your bill. <laughs> your office has an interesting role in that sometimes you, you work with regulators, and in the case of this, this broadband issue, you are suing Pura. That is correct. Well, my office is the consumer advocate on issues relating to electricity, natural gas, water, and telecommunications, which is where broadband comes in. And it's our job to bring consumer voices to the table and consumer perspectives and to do what we can to make sure consumers have as many options as possible. And so, we, yeah, we appear before Pura, but if at the end of the day we don't agree with their decision, we have the right to appeal it to court. And that is what we have done in the municipal broadband context. So... There is something, there is a dedicated space on utility poles for municipalities to be able to use it for any purpose. That's what a 2013 change to the statute says. Municipalities can use this spot on the utility poles for any purpose. And we've been working with an uh, enormous number of municipalities in Connecticut who have said, who have looked at, heard from their consumers that, you know what, I'm paying a lot to get broadband internet access. And it's not that great. Or I, I really want faster speeds at lower costs. This is a real problem for small businesses. Your need for bandwidth is just increasing enormously for small businesses and for home and for consumers too. Uh, but a lot of times you don't have a lot of options. You basically usually have your cable, your cable provider and the phone company as your options. And so we've been working with municipalities to try to create more competition because the answer to uh, high prices is bring in com competition uh, where to create public-private partnerships to use that space on the telephone poles to create networks um, like a competitor that will bring in lower costs. Higher speeds and lower costs is, is the vision. Um, and a recent ruling out of Pura said, no, that is not an appropriate use of the space. Municipalities may not compete uh, with the private sector or cannot enter into public-private partnerships that envision using that space on telephone pole to deploy these municipal community broadband networks. This is a national movement, this movement for communities to step in and say, hey, my consumers don't have enough choice. So it's a really disappointing ruling out of Pura. We disagree that we think the statute, when it says can be used for any purpose, means for any purpose. Um, and so, yeah, we're in court with that. And I'm Proud to say we've been joined by a number of municipalities, including the Connecticut um, CCM, Connecticut Conference of Municipalities, which is a group of, you know, many, many municipalities. So there is a real need out there to create more options for consumers. And there's a, a strong desire on the part of the municipalities 
to make sure that happens. And so we're all working together on that. And um, stay tuned because that's going to be in coming up in court. And we hope in the next few months at least it'll start. I'm guessing the phone company doesn't like this idea because they see it as competition, potentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of the point is um, we we see the, from the phone company, a lot of times all you get is DSL. And we also know that most consumers, almost every consumer has only one other option, which is the cable company. And we've also done a lot of work documenting that there are parts of the state including the northwest corner and the quiet corners, where they might not have access to anything above internet speeds above the old dial-up equivalent. And those areas are seeing consumers, um, the young people leave. Nobody wants to live in a house where you have crappy broadband. I mean, that's just the reality. And so uh, we, need to, we need to look at options for making sure Connecticut um, is a leader in this area. We also know that in many of our urban communities, it can be very difficult to get good speed. It can be very expensive. And this particularly impacts kids in school in both our rural and urban areas. And, you know, we've never said to kids, if your parents can't afford to buy you a book, you don't get to learn math. You don't get to do your math homework. You don't get to read about history. But that's what we're saying when we tell kids, go do your projects online but we don't ensure that they have access in some way. So this is a this is a um, a national dialogue. There's a lot being go- talked about on rural broadband, but I just want to remind people that it's also happening here in Connecticut, and it impacts many many children across this country, and millions of households actually do not have access to affordable broadband. And so um, it's something I'm very passionate about, and we're going to continue to push push for that. This past legislative session, there was also a push by Frontier to deregulate and take some of the restrictions the phone company has related to landline telephone service away. And it was an unsuccessful effort eventually, uh, uh, ultimately, and it was something that was fought by your office. Yes, yes. This is an issue that was of great concern to me uh, for a couple reasons. Um, they, the, listen, the phone company is a monopoly. You don't have any options. And I, while I appreciate that we see increasing numbers of people switching to cell phones and dropping their landlines, we also know that there are thousands and thousands of consumers, particularly low-income, particularly elderly, who rely on POTS, plain old telephone service. The copper pair. The copper pair, what I think of as the kitchen telephone. And for those consumers, um, withdrawing regulation would make it much, much easier to, for the phone company to withdraw service from that copper phone and without any requirement that they ensure that there's an adequate substitute. Um, And the phone company, Frontier, had said that, well, there's a lot of federal laws and these laws are just duplicative or they're not necessary. But the truth is they're not duplicative. And I think it's incumbent on us to make sure that those people who rely on phones are entitled to know that if there's going to be some sort of transition to another doc, to another form of technology, they get noticed, they get an opportunity uh, to to have their say. And that's what's required. It's The current law requires you go before Pure and say, hey, I want to withdraw Twisted Pay or Copper Service uh, to, I don't know, this this part of Litchfield County. And then there's a Pure proceeding. It doesn't mean the phone company is restricted from doing anything. It just means there's a, there's some process around it. That's appropriate. And to those who say, well, the federal government is in this area, we've seen the Federal Communication Commission roll back enormous amounts of regulation with respect to broadband, with proposals with respect to telephone. Um, we've seen 
well, you know, net neutrality has gone away. Consumer consumer data protections have gone away. I don't think we can rely on the FCC to protect those consumers here in Connecticut. That can be done by Pura, and it will remain so. And I, I again, want to say AARP was a great partner on this and on many things. And that is um, one area where I think together we were successful in fighting this deregulation effort. She is State Consumer Counsel Ellen Katz. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you and to hear uh, and to be able to speak with your the folks who listen to your program. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t